All right. Welcome to the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, you got your host here. This is Chad Mitten, and you got Colin Bluin, and you got Rich Howe. We are the host of the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Nashville Predators and covering a lot of other fun topics as well. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? Doing great. Get ready for the new hockey season, which is hopefully getting here very, very soon. We're hearing all these talks about uh, January 13th start date. That might get pushed back. But one thing we do know is uh, hockey's getting here close. Right, guys? So excited. And we got the juniors coming up, too, so that helps. <clears throat> yep. That's going to that's gonna cure our hockey fix for a little bit. You got the <laughs> World Junior Championship starting on Christmas Day. Uh, and actually, guys, I actually saw that uh, every uh, game of the World Juniors is going to be on NHL Network. Uh, so if you have NHL Network, that's an early Christmas present for you that uh, you're going to get to watch the World Junior Championship. I was not expecting that personally. Like, I didn't think that uh, – I was trying to figure out ways to watch the game. Games, do you guys plan on watching the, uh, any games you can? I, I do, yeah, for sure. I mean, we got some prospects out there that are playing, especially with you know um, some people that are going to be needing to step up here either next year or uh, in twenty twenty two. So it's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps up and, and you know shows showcases their, their game, you know, on that stage. But honestly, like you said, it's just good to have a, a fix, you know, at least a little bit. It's something. It may not be you know the angel hockey we want, but it's at least something to kind of get us ready for uh, January thirteenth. Yeah, I'm going to yep. try to sneak away on Christmas and watch some, but it'll probably be the day after. I don't know if it'll be a tough sell to get the, well, get the family uh, to watch the hockey. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Team Canada actually plays on December 26th, after, the day after Christmas. Team USA Perfect. is opening up the tournament on Christmas Day against Russia. I think that's going to be, for, for, for most Preds fans, that's going to be the game that everyone's going to be most – most interested in is just because of uh, so much uh, influence with, uh, but we'll get into that later. Uh, but <laughs> obviously, obviously the world junior championships coming up and that's on everyone's mind because we're actually going to get some, some hockey here coming up. We've been starved for uh, hockey for a while now, but uh, so tonight and we're going to have some fun. Obviously we always want to have fun here on the catfish and ice podcast. And uh, uh, so tonight we are going to assemble our Mount Rushmore of Predators players all time. Uh, you know, it's not as old of a franchise as many of your uh, hockey franchises. So I, we can't, we can't go back and dig as deep as, you know, like the Detroit Red Wings and, and all those uh, storied franchises, but it's still always a fun topic. Uh, it, you know, you guys like, you know, we always get into like uh, other sports. You're always talking about, uh, who's on your Mount Rushmore for this? Who's on your Mount Rushmore for that? And so I haven't really seen a lot of talk uh, about who would you put on the Prez Mount Rushmore. And I do think that it's kind of a uh, an open discussion. There's a couple of players that we'll probably agree on. The guy, me and the guys will probably agree on. But uh, for the most part, you know, there's some players where you can make arguments for to be on or off that Mount Rushmore list. And so um, – Let's. I, I'm gonna get it started right now, yep. uh, and we're probably gonna agree. We're, we're probably all gonna agree with this one, but uh, I'm, I'm totally going with uh, Pecorine just to get this thing started. 
you're not going to find many Preds fans who don't put Pecorine on Mount Rushmore, and if they do, it's probably some type of personal thing going on there because I just don't see how you can put how you can leave. I just don't see how you can leave Pecorine off. If one of you guys want to butt in and say, "Hey, he's not on my Mount Rushmore," then we'll we'll have a very well, candid discussion. Yeah. Well, that that's not going to happen because I'm. 100% sure that he's on both of our lists too. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah. Colin, do you have something, you have yeah, something no, to say, Colin? Did uh, Pecorino not make your list? Oh, no, he, he was the very first one. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, for me, it's okay. not even just the the fact that he's on a Mount Rushmore. I think he is a future NHL Hall of Famer. I hope he is. I think he deserves it. I think he's put up the body of work for it. But, no, he, he's an easy, easy number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I think – Figured I would go easy with the first one, but let's get into Pecorino though. Let's talk about his significance. Obviously, he's going into his uh, uh, what, what we all think is his farewell season. Um, you know, no one sees him coming back after this season. Not because the Preds don't adore him and love him or anything like that, but just because he's going into the last year of his contract. He's uh, it's one of those things where I think other teams are go- going to want him. Uh, either in a backup role or another way. And it's all a matter of what Pecker Rene wants at this point in his career. Is there a possibility he could come back for a very team-friendly deal? Yeah, it could happen. I just don't see it happening. Uh, but let me get into why he should be on all of our lists. I can't – I first of all, I can't believe that the guy was drafted all the way back in 2004. Like, he's been here for that long. I mean, I mean – I mean, guys that like like Rich, can you believe that he's been here that long? That is a very long time, uh, 14 seasons. Um, so I looked up some stats uh, while we were uh, going over our list. So obviously he won the, the Vesna. He's been in all-star games. And I looked up the all-time leader list. So he's uh, 567 games, 32,895 minutes he's played for the Predators. 311 wins. He's had 51 shutouts. And then uh, I think it was in 2017, he had eight shutouts in one season. That's pretty incredible. And then obviously last season we had the goaltender goal. Like that was – Oh, yeah. I watched that live. That was like (laughs) one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. It was was great. It's always – it's always sweet, especially when it's against the Blackhawks too, which is that's just icing on the cake. So and that made it even better. <laughs> yeah. Now I think one of the cool things about Pekka is you know you look at the history of the Predators. The it's hard to believe because we've had some great goalies, you know, Chris Mason, Thomas Bocoon, but the first goalie that you know got us over that that you know over that first round hump and into the second round of the playoffs was Pekka Rene in yes. two thousand. So it's it's crazy to think about because we just you know he's had such recent success that. His, you know, he's been here playing, you know, incredibly well for us for years and years. And it's, we've been lucky as a franchise not to have to really worry about, you know, the goalie position. Um, and we can get into some of the Twitter responses too, because I know a lot of people had Thomas Vokun in their responses. And Thomas Vokun was a great goalie, but, you know, Pekka has been with us as, as you know, such a tried and true, you know, goalie for so long and been a part of our history and part of that, you know, especially the success of the Predators when you look at the postseason that, um, you know, he's just, he's, Everything that has been good about the Predators from a franchise standpoint, Pekka's had a hand in some some way, some shape, or form. Pekka's had a role in that, and I think that's really incredible and speaks, you know, to his career. Yeah, and, and also, you know, when you when you're assembling a Mount Rushmore of players like we're doing, it has to also go beyond play on the ice. At least for me, 
because uh, a big thing about being on that exclusive list on any franchise or anything like that is what kind of impact did you make on the city and the community you played in? And when it comes to Pecorine, I mean, the guy is one of the most positive people I've ever seen in my life, like as, as far as professional athletes. And I think maybe people outside the, the Preds market or people who don't follow the Preds as closely as we do, maybe don't see that part of it. But I mean, the guy is just, is just so positive about everything. He's, he's, he's a team first guy, obviously, um, which is what's making this upcoming season even possible. Honestly, he's entering the season as a backup to UC Soros, which he should be. No, no one's disputing that he shouldn't be the backup, but uh, the Preds are extremely lucky to have had him. So Rich, you were talking about his, uh, some of his career stats and all that. I also found it interesting going back and just kind of looking at his uh, his early part of his career with the Preds. And I completely forgot that he temporarily played in the KHL during the lockout season. Mm-hmm. And uh, until the season actually started, he came right back and played for the Preds, actually posted five shutouts during that lockout season. Uh, the Preds did not play well that year. They didn't even make the playoffs. But uh, – but Rene actually played really well that year, uh, posted five shutouts. Um, and that was kind of, for me, looking back at his Preds career, that's really when he took off and started becoming the the GOAT, if you will, of, right. of the Preds when it comes to being that goaltender. Uh, was really after that, two, that, that uh, 2011, uh, 2012 lockout season or around 2011. If I'm getting that season wrong, someone can let me know. But I know it was around 2011, and then that's kind of where he took off and became uh, the goaltender that we all know him as. So, real quick, until we and then we're I'm going to move on to my next player on the Mount Rushmore. One more thing on uh, Rene, since we all obviously agree on him, and 99% of Preds fans will agree with us mm-hmm. on that. If you're out there and you don't agree with us, please let us know at Catfish Ice on Twitter. Or let one of us know personally, and we will be glad to talk about why you didn't put Pecorine on your Mount Rushmore. But one more thing I want to talk about, this is more in the current time. Uh, it's a stat that I found very interesting. Rene has always been a really good goaltender when he's going against another team's power play. Uh, one of his biggest struggles last year was on the going against another team's power play. And you can blame that not just on him, but the team around him, because the press penalty kills 29th in the league. But uh he posted a 78 uh, save percentage on the power play uh, last year. His career uh, save percentage is an 86 save percentage going against the team's power play, which is a very good save percentage uh, in that in that situation. So um, that, th- those are where a lot of his problems were. Um, I uh, We all write for Predlines.com for the fan-sided network, uh, and I put up an article uh, today actually talking about how we shouldn't be counting out Pecorino. Uh, going into this season, please go read it on Predlines.com. Uh, but like I said, no shocker there. We all agree on Pecorine and the Mount Rushmore. I'm going to go to my next player. We might all agree on this one as well, but it's another player that you can't leave out, one that we should all be talking about. For me, I put Shea Weber on there. You guys uh, have Weber on your list as well? I do. I do. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, Colin, give us some Shea Weber talk here since we all have Shea Weber. Yeah, I think he was just, you know, from a leadership role, I think that's what really 
he's a great player, you know, on the ice, but a leader on the ice as well, I think is where it's kind of understated. Um, you know, not nothing against Mike Fisher and then, you know, Roman Yossi, uh, but Shea Weber was the captain that kind of saw the Preds position themselves to be where they are. Uh, he set the tone for that team and kind of what Smashville hockey was, um, especially the last few years, you know, if we didn't have Shea Weber being, you know, the leader that he was on the ice, you know, 2017 onward doesn't happen. That, that mindset and the expectations from the fan base don't happen. Um, you know, you look at how it was reacted to when he was traded, how heartbroken the fan base was because of how much he meant not only for his play, but just what he meant to the city of Nashville uh, and the fact that he's still so warmly received. And then you look at the stats and it's like, you know, the guy is undeniable as far as um, being one of the best, you know, one of the best people to put on the gold jersey uh, or mustard or, you know, white jersey, whatever you want to call it, because he went through some evolutionary periods there too. But uh, just an overall great hockey player, overall great leader, um, you know, still someone that's beloved, still a great, uh, you know, personality and straight, still a great player in the NHL. Uh, wish it was still in a Preds jersey, but, you know, that's yeah. just kind of the business of, of things. Um, it's unfortunate that he was kind of on the business side of, you know, that, because I think if he had had his, you know, had his choice, he would have loved to stay a Predator for even longer. But, um the time that he did have with us, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, going back to uh, that whole trade mission when it comes to uh, Weber going to the Canadians, it was like a weird time. I remember as a Preds fan <laughs> because you know you're getting you're getting PK Subban, even swap blockbuster. I mean that was you know that was that came around a time when the Preds weren't really like a like they I mean the fan base was still there the fan base was still passionate but it took some time and during that time that was all over the headlines it was even on the sports center headlines you know um you know even swap you don't see an even swap like that very often like mm-hmm. two, two superstars <clears throat> and so uh everyone's you know everyone's excited about the the P.K. Subban coming here because if you were even a casual hockey fan, you knew all about P.K. Subban. And he came here and was instantly on Broadway, having fun, putting his brand out there. He's a larger-than-life type of player. But it was hard. I remember being very torn to see uh, to see Shea Weber uh, sent away because we all – you know, for me, one of the things that I put on uh, my list for why he was an easy choice for my Mount Rushmore is – for me personally, he's the first homegrown superstar, bona fide mm-hmm. superstar for the Preds. I mean, you had other great players that were uh, expansion era that came in <clears> here, <throat> but they weren't really superstars. They weren't like – they were stars in our view as Preds fans, and they were good players, but they weren't league-wide elite superstars. And Shea Weber was that uh, league-wide superstar that was homegrown, we didn't have to go out and get him. He started here. And so, uh, real quick, uh, just to get into it, 2003 second-round pick, came into the NHL really quick. Uh, you know, one of those things where 11 years with the Preds, uh, 166 goals, 277 assists in his career with the Preds. Uh, one stat that's really interesting about Weber, um, and a lot, of, a lot of your diehard Preds fans know this, he scored almost exactly the same amount of power play goals as he did even strength goals while he was with the Preds. 81 even strength goals, 80 power play goals. Um, I found that really interesting. So he made a huge – obviously we all know 
his uh his one timer uh fastest shot that he did at the All Star break and all that good stuff. I mean, this guy was so lethal on the power play. Uh, Rich, you remember his his power play ability, right? Definitely, <clears throat> and and the reason he's on my list is. So, you know, the Predators next year are probably going to go to the more defensive side of play like they talked about, more grit. Well, you don't get more gritty than Shea Weber. Um, He's a tough customer. You watch him. When we watched him in the the Stanley Cup playoffs last year or a couple months ago, you know, he doesn't take anything off anybody, and that's that's what I like about him. He's he's got that hard shot. There was actually a – something on Twitter, a video of him in practice, and he um, hit his goaltender in the helmet with a shot, and it actually broke his helmet and, like, cut the dude's face, and he had to get stitches. Um, I just couldn't even imagine, like, being in front of that shot. It's just – it's there's been, a, yeah. there's been a lot of people on the unfortunate other end of Shea Weber's shots through his career. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, what, and what's yeah. cool is – What's cool is like we all still love him. Like I was watching all the you know when the Canadians were playing just because of him. And it's I think a lot of national fans feel the same way. They just you just want him to succeed. I was at the uh, the first game when he came back in a Canadians jersey in, in Nashville and he's he got a standing ovation. And I think since then, every time that they, you know, when they will call out, you know, either he's in the starting lineup or something like that, everybody else, you know, you the, the routine. We always shout out after the player's name sucks. Shea Weber doesn't get that. Shea no. Weber still gets respected, still gets that standing ovation, and that's just one of the cool things to see because people know what he meant to the franchise. I mean, you talk about we always we've always known Smashville as Smashville, right? But as a local, you know, local fan base, but someone that helps Na- Smashville to go that national brand, and for people to understand that it's not just you know local, but Smashville is the national brand for the Predators was Shea Weber. He was part of that success. He was part of you know the first the first group to get over the hump in the playoffs for the 2000, uh, 2011 when we got to the second round, um, you know, from 2013 or 2013, 2015, 2016, you know, that level of consistency was because of people like him, people that shaped the identity of the, pre- the predators uh, and just what he brought to the franchise. I mean, like you said, that slap shot is insane, but he made, he made teams afraid to play us him. And, uh-huh. you know, there's going to be some other plays we're probably going to get into here, but that group really kind of set the tone for what we are now today uh, as national predators. Yep. Totally agree with that. Uh, so we all agree on our first two Mount Rushmore picks. Uh, one more thing to end the Shea Weber talk here. Uh, he's still on the national all-time list. He still leads uh, the all-time list in power play goals for the franchise. And it's not even close. It's going to be a couple of years before that uh, franchise record is broken by anybody. Uh, there's some other franchise all-time lists that are going to be broken very soon, but that one appears safe. Uh, power yeah. play goals and Preds history easily owned by Shea Weber and Shea Weber easily owned all of our lists. Um, Colin, give us your uh, next one since we agreed on the first two. Yeah. Next one, it might be kind of obvious and it might be even some reasons bias, but it's gotta be Roman Yossi for me. Uh, you know, Norris trophy winner, um, captain that's gotten us through, you know, he's been one of the bright spots even through some of these last couple of years where we've struggled a little bit, just because it goes back to that consistency factor. Um, you like to think, you know, Shea Weber was the prototype for what you want in a captain who's also a defenseman who can really get you, you know, generate offense from the defensive position. And then Roman Yossi just evolved that. His game is, um, I guess, the next, you know, step in that evolution. And so 
you know, for, for Nashville, he's helped to continue to put Nashville on the map, not only through, you know, his captaincy and his consistency and his level of play, um, but also some, some name recognition too. Uh, everybody knows who Roman Yossi is. It was really cool to see him actually get shouted out uh, with Shaquille O'Neal the other day on Shaquille O'Neal's live stream. Um, but just seeing that, that, you know, that live recognition, that game respecting, respecting game, uh, that's always awesome to see. Um, you know, from the standpoint, yeah, it was, it was cool. They, they tweeted it out and it was on uh, Shaq's, I think it was his Instagram live. Uh, and they were introducing him. He goes, I know exactly who Roman Yossi is. He's the yeah. North trophy winner. Yeah. That, that was just really cool to see. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of, you know, contributes that national brand that Nashville's kind of working and been working towards really, you know, for a long time now. But, um, you know, Yossi's been, been consistent, even when he wasn't the captain, uh, you know, even in that 2017 run, you know, he's, he's the guy, he is the one that you can count on. He's not, you know, we talk about a lot, especially a lot in the pride lines, writers room about defensemen, how we've got some great defense. We're blessed with really good defenders, but there's also some, some head scratchers in there. Sometimes Ellis, you know, makes some mistakes. Sometimes Ekholm kind of blows up a little bit. Uh, you know, Yossi, you never hear that. You never hear, well, Yossi had, uh, you know, a, a misstep here or a bad pass here, bad in transition. He's just consistently on his game all the time. And so, uh, for me, it's the captain, you know, status. It is the the fact that he has been consistent as he can be. Um, won national awards for being the best defender, but uh, for for that and, and then some, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's on mine too. Um, you know, the Norris Trophy, obviously, that was huge. I mean, I remember watching it live. How exciting to see when they called his name. I mean, it was just great. And then Twitter just blew up automatically. Um, you know, the other the other good thing is like, and you guys know how many times he put the team on his back last season. Like, there's games that they definitely wouldn't have won without, you know, him just willing them to win. You know, he's he's an excellent skater. He's probably one of the best ones. He's an excellent puck handler. I mean, it, yeah. it's just amazing that, that we have such a, a talented player on our team. It's just great. So I think uh... – the only pushback we you're going to get about putting Yossi on Mount Rushmore is, is it too soon? Uh, mm. There might be, you know, a pocket of people out there. I will say that if we were having this conversation a year prior, I would not have him on my Mount Rushmore yet. But for me, this past season, obviously put it over the top just because, let's be honest, the team was not very good. Uh, if, if anything, you can call them <laughs> – slightly above average and painfully mediocre. Underachieving um, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of our uh, listeners and followers who are also Tennessee Titans fans, I'll make this reference right now. They were very much a Jeff Fisher, eight and eight, nine and seven type team last year. Uh, yeah. And so, but how I feel about Roman Yossi last season is that put me over the top for him is he made this team at least have a fighting chance. There were, I mean, hockey is one of those sports where it's really hard for one player to make, especially a skater, to make the impact that he makes on his own. Uh, he, he, the way he can just take the puck, make a great defensive play on one end, take momentum back on his own, get to the other end of the ice, either set up one of his line mates or make a insane shot on his own he does it on a regular basis and for fans who don't get to watch the Preds on a regular basis you know I'll watch every game almost every game can't say every game 
but he does it on a regular basis. So when I see him do it, I don't really come away that surprised. I'm like, oh, that's Roman Yossi. He does that. <laughs> he does that regularly. But there's a lot of there's a segment of fans out there who don't watch every game or, or only see a handful of games a year. And when they see Yossi do that, they're like, how did he just do that? Like, I know he's good, but I didn't know he was that good. Well, he does it on a regular basis. And so last season for me just changed the script for me. Uh, The Norris Trophy, if he wouldn't have gotten the Norris Trophy, it would have been really hard to to deal with because he would have been robbed of it completely. So I'm glad the NHL and the voters did the right thing by by giving him that trophy. And that's putting all of our biases aside. I think a lot of your diehard hockey fans who follow the numbers, follow the analytics – follow all that good stuff, knew that Yossi was the rightful winner. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he's, he, so, yeah, he's on all of ours. We've all agreed on the first three, which is understandable because you've got you got a franchise that's 22 years old. The early years, they didn't have super elite superstars. They didn't have elite talent. They didn't have a lot of that stuff. So it's hard to take players from that early era. And then um, – Yossi kind of changed everything. He he's just came in here and just skyrocketed up uh, league wide. So got to put him on there. Uh, Rich, give me your give me your next one. Give me number four. Give me your All final right, one. So, so when you look on the National Predators website, you know there's a section on there. It's got the franchise leaders. So you see this guy's uh-huh. picture everywhere. <laughs> he's got so many franchise leader lists, and that's David Leguan. Yes, sir. Um, Fifteen seasons, fifteen seasons with Nashville, first Predators draft pick ever. So I'm just going to go down this list: two hundred and ten goals. All these are all-time leaders for the, for the Predators. Three hundred and fifty-six assists, five hundred and sixty-six points, nine hundred and fifty-six games, forty-one game-winning goals. I mean, you know, Same, you got to put him on. He's like the he's like he's like George Washington. That's where he goes in the George Washington slot. Uh, so now, I'm, uh, Rich, you got me picturing George Washington on skates, and I really appreciate okay. you. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate. I really appreciate you giving me that thought tonight because um, there you go. That that's not I, now. I need to find like an animator to put that on somewhere, like George oh. Washington on, on skates with a hockey stick, scoring a goal. I'm looking for the gift right now. Don't worry. Yeah, he's got to be All wearing right. a leg yeah. line jersey though. All right, we're going to work on that. Colin's going to work on that for us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Leguan's a great choice. Uh, for me, I battled really hard for my fourth pick on this Mount Rushmore. My first three were pretty easy. I really didn't think about it that much. That fourth one, I thought about it for a while. I really did. I know that sounds overdramatic, but when you're a hockey nerd like me, it's not, it, it's not that overdramatic. But uh, so you say leg one. I had leg one for most of the day, and I had a last minute change of heart. Okay, and I'm going and, and there's actually a third player that I thought about for a little bit too. But I'll bring him up in our honorable mention that we're going to get into. But uh, for me, I, I'm going to go ahead and go Philip Forsberg. All right, over David Legwand by the narrowest of margins. And the only reason I put Forsberg ahead is what I think is is going to happen with him in his career and also what he's already shown. 
you you can't dispute the talent level between Legwand and Forsberg. I think Forsberg has more talent. Uh, the argument you make for the argument that I made for myself to put Legwand on there is all the things you mentioned, Rich, about right. being at the top of all these lists, Preds all the time. He's the original Predator, uh, and he was the smart pick. It turns out, if you go back and look at that draft class, it it it, it was pretty bad. Like there, there's not a lot of great players coming out of that draft class. If you go back and right. look at it. Uh, the Preds actually had the second pick in that draft. They didn't have the first pick. That's a common misconception. Everyone th- thinks they were the expansion team. They picked first, and they picked leg one. No, they had they, the Tampa Bay Lightning actually had the, the first pick. And so the Preds took by far the best player on the board, if you look at that draft class. Um, there's some other decent players further back in the draft, but nothing that stands out. It's like, oh, the Preds really screwed up, and they took leg one over, you know, this player. Like, so – it was a great pick, and Leguan lived up to the pressure of being that pick and all that stuff. But for me, it's Forsberg. Like yeah. the, I think the ceiling is really high for him, and he just hasn't reached it yet, and he still has time to get there. Uh, Forsberg has the chance to easily pass up all the other guys uh, on, on these lists, with the exception of Yossi. I think Yossi in the end is going to uh, – in the next couple of seasons, going to be at the top of many of your Preds list. But Forsberg's right there. We're waiting on Forsberg to have that 40 gold season that we know he's capable of. So, like I said, I battled with it. I think we lost Colin. Did we lose Colin? I think we did. I'm here. My, my oh, camera. Oh, yeah, there he is. Wonky. But uh, I agree with you, especially on the uh, the kind of I, I went back and forth as well. So with Forsberg and Leg One, um, I think for Leg One was Forsberg before Forsberg. You know. Mm got to where he's where he is. I think Forsberg does get there eventually, especially when you look at that list, you know, one of the lists that Rich is mentioning, especially with points. Uh, you know, Forsberg is on the trajectory is showing that he's gonna get there. But um, you know, that that was why I kept Legwan where I did, because I, I agreed with Rich on that one that he was my number four. Um, you ask me in three or four years, it'll probably be Forsberg and yep. it'll be Agreed. That's 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 fair enough. Yeah. Like for me, I feel like uh, Forsberg is if anything, he's tied with Leguan for me. But Forsberg has more talent. I think he's got the more elite trait to him. Leguan was just a hard worker. He was he kind of has the um longevity part of his like a lot of his stats not to take away from him. He was here for a long time. And then yeah. when he after he left after he went to the Red Wings, uh, got traded to the Red Wings for Cali Arcrock, um he, he, you know, his career was never the same. I mean, he kind of like, you know, he played for a couple other teams, he played for Ottawa and he played for Detroit, but he never really well, did anything for them. And I think that's like the difference between Leguan and Forsberg is Leguan, I think he fit, you know, I think he fit the system very well. I think that's where, um, you know, with Barry Trotz, I think that he put them in, him in a position to succeed, um, you know, from day one, as soon as he got to the NHL, all the way until he left, he was in a system that worked to his skill set. Whereas Forsberg, you see some of the things that he does and the plays that he makes, and it's like you could plug him into any team and he can make those plays. I think the talent level for Forsberg, like I still, you know, I, I'm hopeful in this, but I also think realistically, we've not seen Forsberg's ceiling. And I think when we do, that's when he'll he'll earn very, you know, and cement himself on that Mount Rushmore. Um, but I don't think we've gotten there yet, I, which is exciting to think about as a Predators fan. Um, but you just see, I mean, the, you think about the, the team as a, as a whole and the national recognition, 
Forsberg gives you that because he gets, you know, sports centers top 10 plays with some of these goals. Sometimes it's a little extra, you know, these, some of these lacrosse shots don't go in or they get easily blocked. And, you know, you think they might, not, but um, you know, he just, he makes hockey cool. Like, I mean, hockey's hockey's cool in its own right. He just adds a smoothness layer to it. Uh, that's just, yeah. you know, it's level. Agree. One more thing. One, one more thing I'm going to bring up on Forsberg and then uh, uh, Rich, I uh, kind of want to get your thoughts too on Forsberg. But one more thing I want to say about Forsberg that I feel like gets overlooked a lot, uh, even within our own fan base. Uh, he, this guy is not afraid to scrap. He, no. He's not one of those flashy offensive players, don't touch me, I don't want to get in the middle of all this. This guy will scrap with you. He will get into it. He will He will put you into the boards. especially. And he gets messed with a lot by opposing teams because of who he is. And so that's another part for me that I really respect out of Forsberg is even though he's a flashy offensive player, he has all the things that uh, Colin's talking about, about lacrosse shots and flashy shots. And sometimes he does do a little too much and it puts the, puts the team in a bad spot, but the guy will get in there, put his nose into the scrum, stick up for teammates. If, if a guy's messing with him, which I see it all the time, uh, the other team's player will be messing with Forsberg. He'll be mashing his mashing his face in. He'll be trying to put him in the boards and play dirty. Forsberg doesn't back down. This dude does not back down, and I really respect that part of his game. And so not saying that Leguan wasn't like that too. Leguan, I think, when he retired, had like three teeth left. So um, I'm not saying Leguan's not that type of player as he was, but that, that's another thing I respect about Forsberg. Uh, you kind of see that in, uh, in Forsberg's game, Rich. Oh no, we lost Rich. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, especially when you see you know some of the stuff towards the the net uh, when it gets really chippy. You know, Forsberg doesn't shy away from it. He's not backing away and letting someone else handle those fights. He's picking up the fights himself and he's pushing back. And you know, he, he's chippy, and, and you got to give it to him for that. And I think he almost he almost takes a little bit of joy in it because it's like he knows he's he's talented. But when it gets into people's heads like that, and he can live rent free, and then after the play, after the whistle, still get into people's heads like that. Um, and still, you know, chirp at him. It, it's just, it's fun for him. Uh, yeah. and it makes him super fun. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You think about sub block 303, like that's the, man, the mindset. We want to be in your heads. We want to be in there rent free. Uh, and we want you to be pissed that you got to play us. They do have to get back to that. They have to get oh, back yeah. to that. I think, I think they took a step back from that role last year. I don't think they were as, as, uh, as, as chippy as, as they used to be. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of my thing with Forsberg. But Leguan is a very fair pick as well. I think I think most of your fans are going to be torn, are going to agree with our first three picks for the most part. But I think a lot of fans are going to be torn between Forsberg and uh, and Leguan. But there's some honorable mentions, and then of course we don't want to leave out our uh, our Twitter responses. We got we got a couple Twitter responses. Uh, we saw Vokun, right, Colin? Like didn't a uh, guy yeah. grab Thomas Vokun? He did, and I respect that choice, especially. I mean, Vokun, you know, was especially the early days. You know, our 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 stopgap in the goalie, he, he was more than a stopgap. He was, you know, the guy that we can count on and was reliable before you know Pekka got there. Uh, I just, for me, it's if I'm looking at this list, I'm not putting up more than one goalie on there unless we just have some insane goaltending that really is, you know, just been otherworldly. For me, I don't think we're old enough of a franchise to have that. Yeah. It's no disrespecting Vokun, but also, like I said earlier in that early fact. You know, Pekka was the first goalie that was with us to get us over into that second round. Uh, you know, Vokun, no disrespecting to him, but we never got past the first round of the playoffs with him. Uh, and so, 
you know, he did leave, you know, before Pekka broke all of his records, he was one that set him, but he was also kind of, it kind of benefited him now young the franchise was that he could do that, you know, and, you know, I think he's a great player, but I, I would not put him in, in the Mount Rushmore of the Pecorine. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Uh, by the way, it was Johnny B on Twitter that, so thank you, Johnny B for um, giving us that, uh, giving that, giving us that response. He also had uh, Pecorine on his list. He had Weber and he had Forsberg. Uh, we also had a, a response from Back Nine Bourbon. He had Pecorine, he had David Legwan, Shea Weber, and Philip Forsberg. So uh, you're going to see, like, if, if you did, like, a sweeping long poll on Mount Rushmore, you, we're going to get the same three to four responses um, among the fans just because it's such a young franchise and you really do have – when you're narrowing it down to four players, you really do have those – four to five to six players where it's like, okay, let's argue on, we got six players. We got four slots. That's kind of where the Preds are. Whereas you take a, a franchise like the Red Wings or the Canadians or the Maple Leafs, or you can go on and on the Blackhawks. I mean, you, you know, those teams, those fans can have discussions probably all day on their Mount Rushmore, but it's still an yeah. important, you know, conversation to have. No, I agree. And I think that part of it just speaks to the team's consistency. Like you look at, um, you know, how we have a lot of times you see, like you said, those same three to five players, uh, you know, I think it's between, you know, Roman Yossi, Pecorino, they have like one, Shea Weber, uh, and Philip Forsberg. And so, you know, one of those guys is getting left off, unfortunately, because it's, you know, around Rushmore 4, but you think more towards like the franchise, you look at the consistency of coaching. I mean, you think about, we've been, you know, playing for 22 years. We've only had three head coaches, not many franchises can say that, you know, before, you know, for me, I was between being a Predators fan and the Arizona Coyotes fan being from Arizona. I can tell you, Arizona, they go through coaches almost every two years, it feels like, if not, you know, sooner. So yeah. for the, the Predators to have, you know, uh, Dave you know, be the general manager for as long as he's been general manager, to have only three head coaches and, and to be as consistent as they've been, because even in the down years, they're still in the conversation you know, for playoff contention, or at least, you know, doing well, making a run possibly, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky as a franchise. I think that that's what this Mount Rushmore kind of speaks to is how lucky as a franchise we are to be where we are and to be as consistent as we've been in the years, the past years. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Rich is back with us. I'm back. You hear us? Yep. Did, were, you, were you scared about the, um, the, uh, upcoming uh, Christmas debate, Christmas movie debate we're about to have, and you just were like, I don't want to I'm like, I'm too scared. That was it. Yeah, totally. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I mean, dude, you don't got you, you don't have you don't have to be scared about the Christmas movie debate. Like, it, we're all going to be civil when it comes to the. I mean, it's way more serious than hockey is this Christmas movie debate we're going to have. But uh, so, really. Rich, we were so Rich, we were kind of like while you were gone, we were kind of uh, talking about me and Colin were talking about how kind of some honorable mentions. We went over some Twitter responses we got about their Mount Rushmore. And the one we found interesting was from Johnny B on Twitter. Uh, he, he brought Thomas, Thomas Vokun, uh, who was honestly before Pecorine was around, uh, Vokun was a lot of people, if you weren't uh, fans in the early years, and you became a Preds fan later on. This guy won so many games for the Preds back at a time when the Preds, you know, they were lucky to score two or three goals a game. Like, I mean, this team had to win ugly right. at the time. And Vokun won a lot of games for that team. Uh, do you have a – what do you think about uh, Vokun being in the conversation of Mount Rushmore? 
I think it's a good choice. I mean, like you said, he was Pecorine before Rene was there, and he was a big, huge name for them, you know. So I, I think that's a definitely a solid choice. I think there was another one of the uh, people on Twitter put him on the list as well. So it's a good choice. There's just so many yeah. that we have on their list. You know, we only got four. So <laughs> yeah, you're 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 gonna definitely see some Vokun people out there. Like yeah. like uh, we kind of. Our first three choices of Yossi, Weber, and uh, Rene, uh, those are going to be pretty much shared among the entire fan base. But, you know, you're going to get some splits between Vokun, between Forsberg, uh, Legwan. You're even going to see – here's another player I thought about uh, for a little bit. Want to get your thoughts, guys, on the impact. And definitely he's in the honorable mention category is uh, Mike Fisher. Uh, I actually had him up there too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing about some... Mike Fisher. Go ahead. I was gonna, I was going to say real quick, uh, Colin. Uh, the thing about Mike Fisher for me is, you know, he kind of he kind of came in, and he didn't come in with a lot of like fanfare or like or whatever. And of course, you got you know he's with Carrie Underwood and all that stuff, so that obviously heightened his talent out off of the ice. But uh, the thing about Mike Fisher was the dude was just a great leader. The guy came in and just he, – he gave this team, like, leadership in the locker room. And, you know, he was a big part of the foundation that was built to, towards the Stanley Cup season. He came in several seasons before the Stanley Cup run, but he came in and really just provided – that leadership that you can't measure in a box score. I, I, I can't put him on the Mount Rushmore, but he's very close in his time here. Uh, you guys, you guys got kind of agree with me on that, right? Like about yeah. like, importance. No, I mean, there's definitely, he doesn't show necessarily in the stat box as much, but I think when you look at the contribution to the leadership aspect of it on and off the ice, I mean, he still yeah. is seen as a community leader in Nashville. I think that's fantastic. Um, but also like it was the way he got to Nashville too. Like, yeah, he didn't come in with a lot of fanfare, but I mean, he immediately was consistent in contributing right from the jump. As soon as that trade happened and he, he was here, you know, he was already producing at the level that you expect him to produce. And, mm-hmm. it, and it just got better from there. And so it's almost a shame. It's, it's, a, it's a what if kind of thing. Like if we had had him sooner or if he had played a little longer, would he be on this Mount Rushmore? Um, just because he was so good in the time that he had. And if anything, he's probably got the smallest window out of the possible honorable mentions for being a national predator, but at the same time, what he contributed, what he brought to the ice, and, and even in a short captaincy, seeing the, the team through to a Stanley Cup playoff final, uh, you know, to a Stanley Cup final, and, and being able to put us on the map like that, like that, that that's tremendous in its own right. Um, and, you know, if you ask any Predators fan, they're always going to remember very fondly Mike Fisher. Uh, and it, honestly, I'm glad he was able to retire as, as a national predator. <clears throat> that, that's what makes me uh, happy mm-hmm. as a fan. The, uh, he, he, when he came back for the season after the Stanley Cup run, uh, there there was some pushback on that. They were like, he's just going to come in at the end of the season, take someone's roster spot. Uh, he, is he in game shape? Is he ready? And, of course, that season ended, ended pretty badly. You know, they got eliminated uh, in the second round by the Winnipeg Jets in seven games. But, again – President's Trophy. I think that's a testament, though, even though he that got some pushback from the fan base, and rightfully so. Uh, they weren't really – some fans were not crazy about the fact that he came in 
towards the end of the season and took someone's roster spot or whatever. But for me, it was a positive because it's like this guy cares about this organization. He cares about this franchise. When he came back at that point during that season, a lot of people were like, hey, let's go to the Stanley Cup again. The hype was real. Uh, Fans were like, Stanley Cup or bust. That's the expectations for that team. And so Mike Fisher was looking at it as, I know this team can win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to come back for my boys. I'm going to come back and see if I – even I'm going to come out of retirement and and try to push this team over the top. I just I, – I highly respect that, even though some fans didn't like it at the time. And, he you know, he didn't really do much when he came back. He didn't come in as a hero with the cape on and propel the Predators, you know, deep into the playoffs. But I still commend what he did that season, that he was willing to – to come back and, and do that real quick. A couple other players. I just want to bring up that they're big in Preds history. If you guys want to jump in real quick and then we'll wrap up our Mount Rushmore talk here. Uh, Martin Erat's a big one. Paul Correa, Peter Forsberg. Those are all uh, Peter Forsberg and Korea weren't here long enough to put, be put on Mount Rushmore, but still very iconic players in, in national predators history. Um, of course, Martin Erat. You know, that's the whole famed Philip Forsberg trade, right? That Caps fans will never forget, right? Being their nightmares forever. But Martin Erap is uh, on a lot of your Preds list, all-time list, short list. And so Martin Erap's one you can't forget. And so you guys got any other ones real quick that you want to get into real quick? Uh, just bring up real quick honorable mention. I have one. Um, so – I really like watching the finesse hockey, but I really enjoy the the smash in your mouth, just the fighting and the just the grit. And I think hopefully we're going to get mm-hmm. back to that. And that made me pick um, Jordan Tutu. Um, As tough, your honorable tough. mention or your Mount Rushmore? Honorable mention. I, yeah, I, I okay. already had the four. Yeah, so I had leg one. You had me Leguan. worried there for a second. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Just he he'd be the honorable mention. He's he's got a. Um, He's got a, a an all time uh, Predators uh, leader um, <laughs> little slot two, and his is uh, mm-hmm. for seven hundred and twenty five penalty minutes. He leads. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, he, he leads all the Predators in that. And he actually, he, yeah, his career penalty minutes was a thousand and ten. He also registered uh, two of the Gordie Howe hat tricks. So, um, but but on the good side, he was he was the first player in the NHL who was of Inuit descent, which that's that's, awesome. that's really awesome. And just um, I know he had you know some struggles in his life, and he's really turned himself around. And I think yeah, he's, he's an outstanding person. Yeah, yeah, definitely an honorable mention. And I mean, he played for the Predators for eight seasons. So honestly, I don't think nice we're Smashville. On. Yeah, I don't think we're Smashville without Tutu because I mean, exactly. like, in those early days where we were not you know winning as, as many games and. You know, you're wondering what you're going to see on the ice at night. The one thing you can count on is Tutu is probably going to punch someone's face, and that, was, right. and that was part of the fun of it. But I mean, that's what really got you know the the fan base to be as rowdy as it is to make the environment in Bridgestone Arena a tough one to play in, is because you have players like him that were you know going to grind it out, hard nose, and they're not going to take any crap. You might beat us, but we're going to make sure that you heard afterwards. Right. So, and that's no. what we want to see. That's what we want to see next year, right? I mean, we yeah. want to get them back to that level and not get pushed around anymore. Yep. All right, so uh, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Tutu because he definitely deserves mention in this whole talk. Um, even though he's not on the Mount Rushmore, he's still right. a very important, very important player in this franchise's 
still young history, let's be honest, when you compare it to other hockey teams. It's still a very uh, young franchise. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna shift gears a little bit. We're going to get something really quick, uh, and we're going to talk some World Juniors uh, just because it's a big deal. And just real quick, guys, um, the big guy is Philip Tomasino, obviously. Top, top prospect in the Preds pool right now. He is going to be a big part of Team Canada, who a lot of people expect to win the tournament. Uh, and then you've also got, of course, Afanasyev, who's going to be playing for Russia. You got Chistikov, who's a defenseman, who's going to be playing for Russia. And of course, you got Yaroslav Askarov. So, uh, you guys, uh, what are you guys expecting if you got anything to say about the World Juniors? What are you excited about? What do you want to see? Do you think it can change what the Preds are doing going into this upcoming season, especially with? Tomasino, um, uh, Colin, kind of like, what do you think? What do you expect? Yeah, I think Tomasino is my big question just because we saw what would happen a couple of years ago when, you know, Tolvanen had his his amazing run uh, in Russia and being able to see what he was able to do. That got him some ice time with the Predators later on that season. And granted, it was during that run where, you know, we were pretty much already sealed up our playoff position. We're ready to go. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, let's see how he does against an NHL, um, you know, caliber team. And did all right, but I think this is another place where we're not in that place that we were back then. Back then, we were a President's Trophy, you know, winning team, and at this point, we are not sure where we are just yet. And so, you know, to see what Thomas Newton can do in this stage uh, is going to be interesting for us. I think, um, you know, Askarov is going to be an interesting for long term to see how he looks and, and kind of give us our first taste of you know, a draft pick. But realistically, we probably won't see him, you know, wearing the Predators jersey for three to four years at at the minimum. So. For me, Thomas Hume is that immediate contributor. I, I'm curious to see if this gets him to a place where he gets some ice time with the Predators too uh, and gets to see if he can contribute somewhere, maybe on the third or fourth line. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts this because there's going to be some other NHL players on the on those uh, teams as well, or at least NHL prospects. And uh, uh, I think he's the one that we need him to do well. We need him and you know, Tolvanen to, to really be the ones that are kind of the next ones to take that step. Uh, and get some, you know, log some really frequent and consistent playing time uh, on the NHL roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really interested to see uh, Afanasiev, though. Uh, he, he hasn't gotten nearly as much uh, publicity and as much uh, interest necessarily. Your, your diehard Preds fans know all about him, of course, but he hasn't gotten as much interest as, uh, as Tomasino's getting. But this guy is coming. This guy is just as intriguing of a prospect and has just as high of a ceiling, or almost as high of a ceiling at least, as Tomasino does. Uh, Afanasyev, uh, he's going to be playing for Team Russia. He's a he's six foot three, I believe. He's got a sniper of a shot. And if, we, if you've been following the Preds for any amount of time, you know that they've never really had an abundance of players like Afanasyev has. And so I really want to see how he does on this big stage. Uh, he also played in the OHL, the same league that Tomasino played in uh, this past season, and put up great numbers, outstanding numbers. I don't have him readily available in front of me, but I can tell you he was about a point-per-game pace. Tomasino put up 100 points in, like, what, 60-something games? Mm -hmm. So uh, Tomasino's on another level, obviously. But Afanasyev is a player that should be on every fan's mind right now. He's, he's still a couple seasons away from being on the NHL level, I believe. But he is a player that will be on the Preds um, uh, in the future. 
I think I think both of them are on a team that could win the whole tournament. And when you look at Russia, how stacked Russia is versus Canada, how stacked Canada is, I think it's one of those two teams. I think there, you know, there's some other teams that could kind of squeeze in and maybe surprise them. But in terms of talent, Russia and Canada are just they're pretty stacked. Yeah. And they put up so I was a little upset to see that Canada and the United States are not in the same grouping. So they will both have to advance to play each other. Uh, United States and Russia play on Christmas Day. So that's appointment viewing. I know it's appointment viewing for me. Uh, and then uh, Team Canada plays Germany. Uh, also, in, so Team Canada has – there. a lot of people are saying that they have the easier grouping, uh, whereas – you know, you still got Sweden out there. Sweden is a really good team that you shouldn't be overlooking as well. Finland always brings a really good team. Uh, so it's going to be a really fun tournament. Obviously, we're going to be focused on all the prospects, of course, because this is their first really big stage. You know, like, of course, they play in their respective leagues and, and, and stuff. But the World Juniors is like – it's like the all-star game of tournaments when it comes to these younger players. It's a big deal for them. It's awesome that they're getting to play in it. I'm glad they're able to have this tournament this year and they're going to get out there and showcase their talents, right? Yeah, one thing I would say about that too is that do these, because of how the year's shaken out, the season hasn't started yet, these players are kind of auditioning for angel rosters. Absolutely. At least some reserve capacity. So, you know, this is going to be this tournament. It's not just, it's our fix right now for hockey until we get the NHL back. But at the same time, it's kind of our, uh, you know, our hors d'oeuvre before we get the real, you know, the real meal. Yeah. So and they, uh, fun to watch. And Rich, you did a, so Rich wrote an article for Predlines.com just came out uh, yesterday, actually mm-hmm. talking about uh, Tomasino, Philip Tomasino. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, a lot of people were pushing for him to be on the roster for the first game. Uh, Rich kind of tell us about like what you covered with your article, your most recent article and about Tomasino's chances going into this upcoming season of actually playing for the Predators. Yeah. So <clears throat> I always thought that, you know, he, he was part of the the juniors or whatever, but if training camp started for Nashville, that he'd get called back to do training camp. But I saw an, an interview or a tweet actually that was put out that John Hines said, you know, they're going to check, watch him in the world juniors and then hopefully get him back after the tournament's over. So you know, training camp's supposed to start on the third and the juniors aren't over to the fifth. So he's going to yeah. lose a few days. So I, I don't, I don't know, you know, that those, those few days are valuable for him. So I'm not sure, you know, there's only a couple of people who know, and that's John Hines, David Poyle, and, and it's all up to Tomasino. So the one, I, the one thing I would say about that is I think that it almost benefits him that he's playing in the tournament still, as long as, as long as they advance, and I think they will, but it, because there's the motors higher than it would be in training camp. So he's yeah. playing against guys that are having bringing more energy, probably bringing some more you know harder hits than he's going to face in training camp. That he's going to come to training camp battle tested, probably on you know an adrenaline rush, ready to go. It might actually do him good. So that by the time good. he comes back, you know, two days into camp, he's ready to go. He's ready to to you know really contribute. But yeah, the, it's going to be interesting to see. I I do agree with you. It'll be interesting to see if it uh, affects where he lands and if he does land on the roster or. Um, you know, if he goes back to the OHL. Yeah. Well, they also talked about the possibility of having an expanded roster. So maybe he makes that yeah. as well. I mean, that's just, good point. Know. I mean that's I, really I would probably, yeah, I would probably definitely bring him in on the expanded roster if they let them do that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Putting the expanded roster part aside, because we don't know for sure if that's going to happen. But if there's an expanded roster, you should fully expect Tomasino to be on that roster. But it's, but until we know that for sure, I think it's going to take some injury. It's going to take one of two things: either a couple of really bad injuries or uh, just a really ugly start to the mm-hmm. season and really poor team play to make room for Thomas. I just, for me, I don't see a point in rushing Tomasino into this season. I, that's just me. I don't think he immediately transforms this team into a Stanley Cup contender. I don't think he's like some magical missing piece that's going to come in here and it's like, we got to get this, you know, he's not like a, you know, he's just, he's not on that level for me yet. So for me, I think you, you run with what you got uh, as, as far, especially with their free agency pickups. I think your roster is pretty full and pretty set. I don't think there's going to be a lot of drama in training camp about who makes the roster. I think it's, it's pretty set. But Tomasino is certainly on deck as far as if there's poor team play, if there's a player who is just really performing badly, or if, you know, unfortunately a bad injury happens and the Preds have to shuffle some things, Tomasino is absolutely one of the first people that they will look towards. I do do think yeah, that. So, I, I think with so Tomasino – Go ahead, Colin. I think with Tomasino, it's partially that you want him to make other players on the roster expendable. So whether it's the trade or – uh, this season, or you look towards you know 2022 when we have or 20 yeah 2022 with the expansion draft, when you have you know players that might be up like uh, Cali Arncroak or a uh, Colton Sissons even you know you want him to be able to step into those roles and still be able to to bring the same energy same contribution that whatever we're losing you know brought before. So I think that's kind of where we're at. Is I agree with you on the terms of like he doesn't necessarily have to be that guy this year. We don't really need him to step up this year per se. But it could happen. It could play, make some players tradable. Uh, it could make some players non-protectable when we get once we get to the expansion draft. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why you know all this. You know, there's a reason why we're focusing so much on Tomasino. It's because the talent is undeniable, and you know everyone expects him to be a big part of the Preds' future. So we're all going to be watching him closely to see how he performs for a really solid and stacked Team Canada. So we're all we're all really um, going to be uh, in tune for that. So we're going to get away from ho- some hockey talk because it is the holiday season. <laughs> and for all, for, for all of our uh, listeners and for all of our followers and all of our readers, we appreciate all of you, and we hope you're all having a wonderful start to your holiday season despite everything that's going on. Um you know, we're going to loosen things up here and have a really fun debate about Christmas movies. And we have one of one of us is very, very passionate about a certain Christmas movie. And it's a very controversial topic. Yes, and Colin, I'm going to give you the floor on this. And you, right. you've already told, you've already told me you're going to die on this hill. We don't want oh, you yeah. to die, tonight, but we do <laughs> want you to make your case for this Christmas movie. All right, so before I even go into this, I do want to clarify. My favorite Christmas movie, honestly, is Christmas Vacation. I, I yeah. want to make sure that that's clear. That is, that's my tried and true, brings up my Easy mood, choice. always makes me laugh, yeah. But probably a close second, and one that I will say is a Christmas movie. This one okay. gets dogged all the time. People say, it's not a Christmas movie, it's not a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie, and that movie is Die Hard. I'm going to lay out the case for Die Hard. Here's the thing. Die yeah, Hard okay. takes place. Yes, sir. Die Hard takes place at a Christmas party. He would not be in that setting if it were not for the Christmas party with his wife, later on ex-wife. 
And then, you know, obviously everything goes through what it goes through. And, you know, the, the whole hijinks plays out, plays out. But then he actually wishes a Merry Christmas in the movie. I mean, that's one aspect of it. If, if you watch the movie at Christmas time, you're like, okay, this is the right setting to do this. If they're at a Christmas party, things are happening. It's just that there are very few action movies for Christmas time. But here is my bombshell that I'm going to drop for you. So people always say it's not a Christmas movie. You know, even Bruce Willis made the, the joke at his comedy central roast that it's not a Christmas movie. I would argue that after getting, you know, toasted by your ex-wife, uh, you know, on a, a national stage like that, he was probably under the influence of something. So I'm going to chalk that up to that. But people will say, well, it's not, yeah, but here's my argument. People say it's not a Christmas movie because it came out in, uh, in July. Okay, that's fair. If that's your argument, that's fair. Can we all agree that the movie Miracle on 34th Street is one of the quintessential Christmas movies? Of course. Yeah, okay. Do you, do you know when Miracle on 34th Street came out? I do not. I'm not very high on that knowledge. Well, here's the, here's the bomb I'm going to drop on everybody. Everybody's <laughs> quintessential Christmas movie came out on June 4th, June 4th, wow. 1947. So if Miracle on 40 or 34th Street can be a Christmas movie, then Die Hard can too. If your argument is the day that came out, doesn't stand. I'm just saying it right then and there. But the fact that it took place at a Christmas party during the, the holiday season, that makes it a Christmas movie to me. I mean, there's just it's the setting is there, and it, it makes it feel right. So that is the hill I will die on. That's the bomb I'm going to drop as far as the equivalencies. If you're going to consider Miracle on 34th Street a Christmas movie, then you got to consider Die Hard 1 too. I, I really can't push back on that. That's no. a very well-thought-out argument. I feel like you've been writing that argument for like years now, brother. And, and I, res I respect the passion because there's a lot of people that agree with you. And I love Die Hard. Die Hard is an outstanding movie, and it is a movie that I regularly watch around Christmas. So guess what? There you go. It makes a Christmas movie. That we don't have to rewrite the books here. If you watch it around Christmas and it's a Christmas tradition, it's a Christmas movie. So, Colin, there we go. You got you have my support, man. Anyone who comes that. after anyone who comes after you on, on these Twitter streets, I got right. your back on that one. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm gonna go through. So you say Christmas vacation, obviously. I'm gonna say my personal one, and everyone's gonna make fun of me. They're gonna laugh at me. You're gonna say, Aren't you too old for this? You never get too old for this movie. And if it's on, I'm gonna watch it. If I see it on the TV guide, I'm gonna record it. In fact, I need to check the TV guy tonight to make sure I don't miss it. It's the Santa Claus of Tim Allen. Tim Allen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that boy. movie. I love that movie. I love when he doesn't know how to operate the sleigh properly. I love when Rudolph <laughs> won't listen to him. That movie for me is appointment viewing for me. I'm not saying it's the best Christmas movie of all time, but for me personally – you got to have Santa Claus. I mean, you got some Santa Claus fans here. Tim Allen, come on. Yeah, I, I still wish I could have a hot chocolate dispenser in my car because of that movie. So I agree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I forgot about the – and when they go yeah. to uh, – where do they go, like IHOP or something? And, like, they're the only two people in there. And, like, yeah. he has like, a waitress, and she ends up being, like, the elf. I can't remember how it all works out, but I know they go to a restaurant and because he can't cook. And they sit in this IHOP or whatever it is, Denny's, whatever. I think it might have been Denny's. And they sit in this Denny's, and they're the only two people in there except for maybe one other table. And it's just – it's a great movie. Tim Allen's hilarious. I think it's a good Christmas movie for sure. It has a good message yeah. behind it. Rich, give me one of yours, man. I know you got a good one. 
So first off, like, is Die Hard that one that's got the guy from Moonlighting in it? Is that the one, the movie? Uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah, Bruce Willis. <laughs> totally joking. I, yeah, I swear to die hard, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so in our house, like, we like watching cartoons. So, like, the main one that we like is the original Grinch. Of course. I mean, that's of course. Just a classic. We watch that every year. Um, we just watched, I mean, I watch Christmas Vacation every year, but like as a family, we watched it kind of the first time this year, and that's always great. But then the one, the main one that we always watch, tried and true, is a Christmas story. That's, I mean, I've sat many a Christmas when they do the 24 hours and watched that movie so many times. We we actually watched it the other night. I mean, it's just, it just, it's all it's about building. Well, it's all about building those traditions too. Like that, like, like I said right. earlier, you know, that's the great thing about Christmas movies is, you, you know, you're building the, that, that family tradition, like, you know, uh, and watching the movie together. And so obviously, yeah, those are obviously some good choices there. Another yeah. one that I don't, so not everyone thinks of this first as a Christmas movie, but it is obviously a Christmas movie. It's not quite on Colin's diehard debate necessarily, <laughs> But it's not like at the forefront, it's not necessarily a Christmas movie, but it's still centered around Christmas, and that's Home Alone. Come on, guys. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Home Alone's definitely a Christmas movie, and I, everyone loves Home Alone. Uh, that was, if you go back and look at the history of Home Alone when that movie came out, it was like, I mean, they talk about like record numbers of people just like rushing to the theaters, theaters to see this movie. And so uh, it's, it, Look back on it. Uh, Home Alone came when it came out in theaters. It was like kind of took everyone by storm. Like no one knew it was going to be that good of a movie. Uh, so I think that's a good Christmas movie. Let's shift to some really bad Christmas movies because there are some. Now every, everyone has their own opinion. Like if you love the movie, that's all that matters. But for me, it's cringeworthy to watch. I liked it when I was a kid. I thought it was a good movie as a kid. But for me, it's cringeworthy to watch now because. The acting is so horrible, and that's Jingle All the Way. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, think, I can't I take think it. it. It got worse with age. I 100 agree. It's with so you that. it's so corny. Yeah, like, back, back then I when mean, it came out, I was like, I got the premise of it. I understood where the kid was coming from. One, the action figure, because as a kid, yeah. like I was a major action figure kid. But as you, when you watch it as an adult, you're just like, this is this is so bad. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Like, like for some reason, Schwarzenegger doesn't do well with comedy. He's a great actor, and he's and all that good stuff. But no, like, and you know, when you did when you did Predator, and when you did uh, when you did Terminator, and you did all those movies, like your comedy, your comedy kind of went out, kind of went out the back door there. Like, we know you as this like super superhuman guy who does all these crazy things. The comedy aspect of it just didn't work. But there are people who love Jingle All the Way. I think it's just not a very good Christmas movie as you get no. older and watch it. But I will uh, say, so just kind of go off of that. My this is this might be a little bit surprising, but you know, with, with the, all the magic that Tim Allen brought us in Santa Claus, there's mm-hmm. one movie that I can't let him get away with, and that's Christmas okay. with the Cranks. Yeah. Christmas with the Cranks just yeah. it, it doesn't do it for me. It, I was gonna bring up that one too. It's so bad I've never even watched it. Like I just <laughs> saw it and I was like, that's not something i'm gonna watch it's a premise that could be easily solved with a 15 minute phone call and instead they go all out of all their way to <laughs> do all these things and it's just like really like this is this is the movie that you're gonna make me waste 90 minutes of my life you know dedicating or right. investing into it's just it's not worth it so you're not you're not missing anything 
Those movies so are always the best. Yeah. So mine. Yeah, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, those movies that you watch where you're always thinking, God, this could be, this, this makes no sense. Like, like you're like over, over analyzing it. You're like, why are they going through all this trouble? Like, and then you just gotta like pinch yourself be like, Hey, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Like it's Hollywood. But, uh, right. but, uh, yeah, Rich, like what were you going to say, man? So real quick. So like, I have a confession, like we watched home alone the other day. That is actually the first time I've ever watched it all the way through. Whoa. Bombshell. I've never, I've Oof. never, I've never sat down and watched the whole thing through. But my bad movie is, so the other day I come home and my wife and daughters are watching, I think it's called The Santa Chronicles. It's got Kurt Santa Russell and, and Goldie Hawn. So like Kurt Russell was in like the Grindhouse movie and he was Snake Plissken and Escape from New York. And like I watched like 20 minutes of it and that was like, well, the I, I couldn't even watch it. Like I started playing on my phone because I was like, "This is just not good." <laughs> that's usually a, that's usually a bad sign when you can't get through twenty minutes of a movie. I did so not like, make it through. I mean, I just Santa Chronicles. I think that's what it's called. His like, Never he, heard of it. yeah. So Kurt Russell's Santa, and then <laughs> Goldie Hawn is Mrs. Claus, and like, I don't know. Just it, you'd have to. Well, I'm not going to tell you to watch it because it's horrible, but I mean, I don't know. I, just, I appreciate you sparing me on that one. Yeah, I couldn't even get through it. Now, my wife and daughters, they loved it. I mean, they thought it was the coolest thing in the world, but I just couldn't do it. Awesome, guys. Well, um, I hope you guys have a good uh, good Christmas and a good holiday season, of course. Uh, we got hockey coming here really soon, so uh, we're really excited to bring you the Catfish on Ice podcast. Uh, uh, for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice. Follow Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. Follow us all on Twitter as well. We love talking to all of our listeners, all of our readers. We're also contributors for Predlines.com. So uh, we eat, eat, sleep, and breathe Predators hockey. We love the team. We love talking to the fans of the team. And uh, we're really excited as the season is getting closer and uh, we hope uh, everyone has good holidays. Uh, Colin, Rich, I hope you guys have a good holiday as well. Uh, we'll get another episode uh, to you all very, very soon as hockey season gets closer, as training camp gets closer. And until uh, our paths cross again, uh, this is Ch- uh, Chad Minton, Colin Bluen, and Rich Howe, and we will see you all next time on the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. See you guys. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you guys as well.